Seven minutes before the hour, you're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, September 1st, 2020. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. A fisherman is safe after his vessel ran aground and later burned over the weekend in Sitka. The 47-foot Sami went hard aground on Six Mile Rock in Sitka Sound on Saturday night. The skipper of the Sami, Kale LaDuke, was the only person on board at the time of the incident. He put out a distress call over VHF radio sometime after 10 on Saturday night. An air station Sitka helicopter responded and hoisted LaDuke from the rock at 10.52 p.m. Petty Officer Melissa McKenzie with the U.S. Coast Guard credits LaDuke for making all the right moves when the Sami got into trouble. He went ashore on Six Mile Rock with emergency gear in a dry bag. In addition to his VHF radio, he had a phone, flares, and a headlamp, all of which contributed to his speedy rescue. McKenzie reports that the Sami caught fire sometime Sunday and was seriously damaged. She says that, weather permitting, a salvage company will inspect the wreck on Tuesday to determine whether the Sami can be saved. Local health officials announced a new confirmed case of coronavirus on Monday. The woman is in her 20s and did not have symptoms when she was tested on August 21st. According to city data, she is the 40th Sitka resident to test positive. 17 non-residents have also tested positive, making 57 total cases. The city's new color-coded warning system puts Sitkins at a moderate risk level. According to the city's data, people should wear cloth face masks indoors, dining capacity should be reduced at bars and restaurants, and employees must wear masks. According to the city's website, 56 people have recovered. Though the city is reporting a higher total number of local cases than the state, and has been for weeks, its number of active cases has been consistently lower, which has been attributed to a lag in the state data. While the city is reporting that almost all of Sitka's COVID patients has recovered, as of Monday, the state was only reporting 26 recoveries. The eight schools in the Southeast Island School District started classes Monday, including Port Alexander's school. Students have the option to take classes online through the district's statewide correspondence program or to attend full-time in-person classes. KCAW's Erin McKinstry spoke with Superintendent Sherry Becker about the district's Smart Start plan for the upcoming school year. You know, obviously the plan is for the whole district, but each school is unique. It might have unique circumstances. So, How did you go about accommodating all those different needs and circumstances that might arise throughout the school year? Our current Smart Start plan is for the district as a whole. And then each of our individual schools, because of um, them being so different, they also have their own individual plans, which is our plan, but it's modified to meet their enrollment numbers and their capacity uh, for physical distancing and keeping children and staff safe. How did remote learning go in the spring for the district? And what have you done since to improve remote learning opportunities and capacity? The whole process, it was so quick. Um, But the, the amount of guidance that we had from the state and other districts on the island and other districts in the state was just phenomenal. The teachers in our district and the, the paraprofessionals, the classified staff did an amazing job. Um, being in rural Alaska, you have to be flexible. Um, and being in Southeast Island School District, we are used to thinking outside of the box. We, we are very unique and we, we pride ourselves on that. So I think our teachers did a phenomenal job. They were they were there during all of our planning meetings. They spent many, many, many hours of their own time. What about at-home internet capacity for families that may not have internet or technology, laptops, Chromebooks, those kinds of things? Is that something that you've seen concern about or addressed at all, or is it pretty well covered in your district? 
It is not covered as far as we have numerous families that do not have internet access at home. We have a couple of communities that do not have cell phone service. So we we got creative in the spring and one of the first things we did is reach out to each one of our students' families um, to assess the needs. You know, what what are the needs in your home? Not just for do you have internet? Do you have a computer? Do you have a phone? Do you have cell phone or landline service? There was a couple of cases where kids in Alaska did not have electricity. So even if we sent them a preloaded iPad, there was not the ability to charge the the iPad. So we are trying to look at all the different things that are affecting our students and our staff. Why is it important to have... um students actually physically in the classroom versus just relying on on virtual learning again? There's so many important important factors, especially for our elementary kids, that connection with their teacher in those early learning years, a kindergarten child, um, developing a trust with an adult that is, in effect, like a parent to them most of the day. Um, for those kindergartners, preschoolers, first and second graders, they need that connection really, really strong in those early days. So that that plays such an important part of um, just the whole learning process, the social-emotional aspect of being with their peers and having that social interaction. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to say about the plan or the start of the school year? We're just ready to see those smiling faces. Can't wait to see student art on the hallway walls and just seeing those excited faces. That that's that's what we look forward to. That was Southeast Island School District Superintendent Sherry Becker speaking with KCAW's Erin McKinstry about the district's plan to operate safely during the coronavirus pandemic. You can find a link to the full plan on our website, kcaw.org. The city and borough of Wrangell is in tough economic shape. Poor salmon returns, not to mention the pandemic, are hitting city finances hard, so local officials are looking to save money where they can. So Wrangell is applying for federal assistance to help clean up a contaminated plot of land it owns downtown. The problem is, in order to get that federal assistance, the government has to do a pretty aggressive audit of the former owner's finances. And the city is having some trouble tracking down the former owner. KSDK's Sage Smiley explains the history of the site and what's next. 309 Front Street is an unassuming 0.1-acre plot of nothing. Over the years, it's housed a variety of businesses, including an auto shop, but all that's gone, at least on the surface. Under the surface, it's contaminated by lead. In 2011, the city bought the plot of land which sits across the street from what is now Twisted Root Market, knowing that it contained underground fuel storage tanks, but not that those tanks were leaking. The three tanks were removed in the ensuing years, along with 45 cubic yards of soil. While those removals took care of the petroleum contamination, the city also discovered lead levels in the soil above DEC acceptable standards. So it's officially contaminated. But it's also a piece of downtown real estate that the city wants developed. The local tribe, the Wrangell Cooperative Association, has reached out to the city to ask about making the site a parking lot, as it sits next to the WCA Cultural Center, also known as the Carving Shed. State regulators, though, won't let anyone build anything until someone cleans up the lead-laden soil. 
and that won't come cheap, according to the cleanup assessment done by the environmental contracting firm Shannon and Wilson earlier this year. Surveying and cleaning up the lead in the soil would cost around $65,000. So who should pay? Ideally, the federal government. The EPA runs a program called the Targeted Brownfields Assessment Program that could offset that cost for the city. The issue the city is running into is that in order to receive the EPA assistance with the site, there can't be any other financially viable responsible party. In other words, if any previous owners could potentially pay for the cleanup themselves, they could be on the hook. Borough Manager Lisa Von Bargen put it this way at the Assembly's August 11th meeting. The difficult but short summary here is if we move forward trying to get EPA to to do this assessment for us, we will be, I I hate to use this term, forcing a financial uh, viability review upon a previous owner of this property. This means looking back at all of the previous owners that could have potentially contaminated the property. According to Von Bargen, that's four or five. The state of Alaska has records online for the two most recent owners. In December of 1976, Zenny and Rachel Madden of Huna sold the lot to Charles and Nola Wilcox. Then, in February of 2011, Nola Wilcox sold the property to the city and borough of Wrangell for $42,100. By that time, Charles Wilcox had passed away. Zenny and Rachel Madden are also deceased. Although they weren't the ones that put the underground field storage on the property, the tanks were added in the 1980s, years after Charles and Nola Wilcox had already purchased the property, nobody's quite sure where the lead came from. In summary, because all other previous owners are dead, Nola Wilcox is the only possible heir to the liability for cleaning up the site, meaning she could be on the hook for $65,000. Here's manager Von Bargen again. If that person is Not only will they be under a microscope for their finances, they will also, um, if they're found to be viable, financially viable in whole or in part, DEC, EPA may go after them to do that. And the, if the other, but the other option is, is that the, the borough says no to the program and that our general fund money goes to pay for this assessment on our own. At the same meeting, the borough assembly was uncomfortable with just allowing the EPA free reign to contact Wilcox and examine her financial information. The assembly resolved to try and reach out on a more personal level to discuss the pickle. But as of late August, Von Bargen reports the city hasn't been able to get in contact with Wilcox, let alone received her permission for a DEC legal team to examine three years' worth of her tax records to determine potential liability. For now, then, 309 Front Street sits empty, unused, and contaminated. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. This 